So mm-hmm. I always tell bands, you know, when you're ready, not when you think you're ready, but when you really are ready, then start submitting to all these festivals. Like at Reverb Nation, we do these things called opportunities. And I cut deals with a lot of the festivals, like more than 50 festivals we, we have deals with. And bands would submit. And it would be great because the festivals are not relying that much on my bands, on these smaller bands, to draw a lot because they've got the big headliners. So they don't care if you know they book a band that's got no fans in wherever the venue is. But you still got to be really good. Just because they're not expecting a big draw from you, they are expecting amazing stuff from you because they'd love to have you back next year and sit. You know, they want claim to fame. Hey, I found this great artist. You know, they played on a festival last year for like nothing. You know, 200 bucks we paid them. Now they're asking 100 grand a night. You know, they, they like that. You know, they found you. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so today I'm incredibly excited to be here with Lou Playa. Um, he is a co-founder of a company called Reverb Nation. And if you've ever, if you're an independent musician, then you've probably heard of Reverb Nation. They're literally the biggest online community right now that focuses on independent artists. And they've built this incredible community of musicians and fans and producers and venues to allow you to network. And specifically, they focus on growing your fan base and booking gigs and earning more income as an independent musician. And today, you know, I had a chance to meet him uh, for a few minutes uh, about like two or three days ago. And we talked about what do we want to cover today. And there's a few different areas of expertise that, that Lou has. And so today, uh, specifically, we're going to dive into booking like festival gigs, how to land those kinds of shows. And also, uh, we wanted to dive a little bit into how to build a team with your music career and kind of when's the right time to start building a team. So, Lou, thank you so much for taking the time to, to be here today. Oh, no, no, thank you. Cool. So, first of all, I'd love to start off just by hearing a little bit more about your story and like you know, how, you, how you co-founded Reverb Nation and what kind of brought you to, to what you're doing now. Sure. Uh, I mean, I started in the music business. I, should, I was going to say record business, but it was, it was the record business when I started uh, in the hmm. late 80s. Um, I worked at Polygram, which is now Universal. Um, then I went over to Atlantic, and I worked at Atlantic for about 12 years. And then we started, uh, Jason Flom started Lava Records, and I became the head of marketing and artist development for Lava Records, which was part of Atlantic. And, you know, we used to develop bands from, from scratch. You know, an A&R person would sign a band, like Kid Rock or Matchbox 20 or all these other bands we worked with, and we would develop them. You know, we'd turn them into something. and the labels kind of stopped doing that. And like, I guess in the early 2000s or whatever it was. So when they shut down Lava Records, they, they restarted it years later under, under Universal. Jason still has it back. But um, when they started, you know, when they put an end to it and they laid us all off, I was like, well, what am I going to do? I've never been laid off. I don't know anything else but music. So I had this idea about Reverb Nation where we let, you know, all artists in the world you know, I had no idea how many there were. I was like, oh, we'll let all 200,000 artists give them all these basic tools, you know, basic tools to grow your fan base, kind of run, run your business. And, um, but I wasn't a tech guy. So I had to meet, uh, I met up with a bunch of really smart tech guys and business guys, and they're, they're my partners. And uh, they raised money and um, they built the software and, the, and the, the website and everything else. And I'm just kind of like the music relationship guy. 
in a way and mm-hmm. artist relationships. And that was kind of it. You know, we just want to help emerging artists. Um, you know, we know that a lot of artists start their careers here. And once they get bigger, they leave us. You know, we have Marin Morris and Imagine Dragons, Lumineers and, um, you know, Alabama Shakes, all bands that literally started on Reverb, never had fans. Uh, no one in the industry ever heard of them. They were submitting to things and growing their fan base, using our mailing list, things like that. You know, once they get bigger, they don't need us anymore. You know, so they don't they don't need our distribution. They don't need our email list because they got Warner Brothers or whatever it is. So that's kind of like how we started. I know I probably t- talked more than you asked for, but uh, it's it's kind of a cool story. I thought, and now we just basically help five million artists. Hmm. Dude, that's that's awesome. No, you, yeah. you definitely didn't didn't over over talk or anything. That's that's really cool. I gotta admit, as soon as you said Matchbox Twenty in my mind, I was like, it's three a.m. I must yeah. be crazy. <laughs> yeah, I probably got one um, of my probably got one of their gold records up there somewhere. Dude, dude, <laughs> that's so awesome. Um, so it sounds like what you're saying is that you know Reverb Nation, you know, kind of evolved out of this need for record labels stop doing some of the early work of developing mm-hmm. artists yeah. and giving them the tools that they needed in order to grow from ground zero. So Reverb Nation was kind of born out of this need to help uh, emerging artists yeah. and for a lot of people that, that start out with reverb nation it's a, it's a sort of a in-between step so eventually you know, they move on to getting signed to a record label or they kind of move on um they outgrow they outgrow reverb nation exactly. but you know but you're happy for that you're almost like you're probably like like a yeah. mother bird seeing the, the birds fly fly yeah, off. yeah. exactly mm, yeah we get well, a lot cool. of times artists will say well there's no big artists on the site i'm like well, I guess we did our job. I don't know. <laughs> you know, they don't, mm. we don't care. We're not trying to help fans who don't need our help. Mm. You know, Matchbox 20 doesn't need our help. Of course, they're not going to be on our site. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I'm sure having 5 million musicians on this website, I'm sure you, you're very familiar with like the common struggles and the challenges that musicians are facing kind of yeah. on a day-to-day basis. What are some of the biggest challenges that you see when an independent artist kind of comes to Reverb Nation or when, when they start working with you? I mean, it's weird. It sounds weird, but it's just education. I, I don't think they even know where to start. I think they think they've got these great songs, and most of the time they're not great, but they think they're great, and they think it's just going to be found. And people, you know, they, they think they deserve credibility, and they deserve, you know, millions of dollars, and they deserve all this. And I'm not saying they're, they, they all think that way, but a lot of them think that way. Um, but they don't have the education to go about, you know, how do I do this? I mean, some of them put up music and they don't even have, you know, their PROs aligned, you know, the BMI, ASCAP and sound exchange, things like that. They don't even know you have to be part of that. So they're never going to get paid, even if they do become big. Mm. So they just don't know a lot of things. They don't know where to go. A lot of them get scammed. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, shady people out there because they're, the artists are not educated and they'll go out and you know, somebody will say, give me a thousand bucks and I'll, I'll get you on every playlist in Spotify. And well, that's just mm. BS. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think education is the biggest issue um, right now the artists have, just not understanding anything. And of course, relationship, they don't have the relationships, which is kind of like what we try to provide them with. Mm. Awesome. So it sounds like what you're saying is that kind of the biggest challenges that you see usually is just, it's like a foundational thing it's in, in terms of education. They just don't even know where to get started. And yeah. a lot of musicians have... Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of entitlement or a little bit of a, of a misconception that as long as they create music and they, and they create something that they, that they feel really good about and they just kind of put it out there, then everything is going to magically just kind of happen on its own. Exactly. They're just going to exactly. put it out and it's going to blow up. Yeah. Um, I used to think that way when I played baseball. I thought, you know, I'm a pretty good hitter. 
doesn't mean anyone's going to sign me. <laughs> right. I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, one analogy that I like to use when I'm thinking about this guy, I've, I've noticed the exact same thing where it's like people, I mean, sometimes a lot with a lot of artists too, and I'm sure you see this a lot, like the quality of the music is actually sometimes like they really have honed their craft. They've invested yeah. and it's really good, but still they just don't know how to promote it or how to yep. like, they don't have the relationships and it's kind of like uh, building a fire and it's like they have the logs for the fire. They have the fuels, like the songs and, and whatever. Yeah. But they have no idea how to actually generate flames. And so exactly. they just kind of put them into a fire pit. And they're like, all right, like, let, yeah. let it begin. <laughs> and like, nothing so happens. True. It's so true. Yeah. And I, I, think, I think a lot of times a lot of people say, well, if it's a great, great song, it'll find its way to the top. I just don't believe that. I mean, mm -hmm. there's amazing songs out there. But the poor artist has like one penny to his name to actually get it out there. You know, they, they, they spend all the money recording something, but no money left over for marketing or, or you mm -hmm. know, hiring somebody to do anything. Um, Absolutely. You know, it really is. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think there is, and this is probably one of the reasons that maybe some people believe this, like every once in a while, you know, so there'll be someone that has like some logs and all of a sudden lightning strikes, you know, and it's yeah. like, it's like really rare, but it just happens to strike. It's like, whoa. And yeah, then like yeah. you hear stories about like, oh, like, you know, Justin Bieber, like on discovered on the side of the road by Usher or something like that. Right, right. But, you know, it really is, uh, that's kind of like a, the luck of the draw. And it's very, very rare. And really what it takes uh, for the most part is figuring out how do you actually generate traffic? How do you get smart about marketing and promoting your music exactly. in addition to, to creating it? Cool. So um, I know that um, you have a lot of expertise around, you know, booking, booking shows and booking festivals, and you have a lot of relationships. When it comes to booking festivals, for example, you know, when is it like the right time for people to start reaching out to festivals? And, and what does that process even even look like? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, a lot of the bands that we deal with are emerging artists, they don't have a big draw. And a lot of them don't even have, to be honest, the good live performance skills that they really that a festival would want. You know, I, I tell bands, you know, put yourself in the venue's place. You know, if you've only played 10 gigs before and you're just not, you know, you're not, you know, Metallica on stage, you know, you're not amazing on stage, you know, why would the festival put you on there? You know, they're not looking for hobbyists to play in front of, you know, these big, big giant bands, these big headliners. It could be embarrassing for them. Um, it could hurt their ticket sales next year. You know, they could mm. say, well, yeah, we, we went to this festival, man, and they had such mediocre artists on there. Uh, I'm not mm. buying tickets next year. So, you know, it could hurt them. So mm. I always tell bands, you know, when you're ready, not when you think you're ready, but when you really are ready, you know, then start submitting to all these festivals. Uh, you know, usually you need an agent to get to front of some of these talent buyers. But like at Reverb Nation, we do these things called opportunities. And I, I cut deals with a lot of the festivals, like more than 50 festivals we, we have deals with. And, you know, Summerfest will give us 15 slots, and that's the biggest festival in the world. And, you know, Sturgis will give us some slots, and, you know, Firefly, you know, all these different, you know, Warped Tour used to give us four slots in every city. And bands would submit, and it would be great because the festivals are not relying that much on my bands, on these smaller bands, to draw a lot, because they've got the big headliners. So they don't care if, you know, they book a band that's got no fans in, in, in wherever the venue is. Uh, you know, if festivals in Cleveland and the band has no fans there, they're okay with that because they've already sold out from all their big headliners. But you still mm. got to be really good. Um, mm. Just because they're not expecting a big draw from you, they are expecting amazing stuff from you because they'd love to have you back next year and sit, you know, they want claim to fame. Hey, I found this great artist. You know, they played on a festival last year, you know, for like nothing, you know, 200 bucks we paid them. Now they're asking 100 grand a night. You know, they, they like that. You know, they found you just like an A&R person would. 
Yeah, man. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is, first of all, you know, if you're going to really be seriously approaching festivals or you want to play shows like that, then you need to be at the point where you've really fine-tuned your craft. You've gotten yeah. really good at playing live shows exactly. or else, um, like if you haven't gotten to that point yet, then would you recommend um, starting with like local gigs or yeah, like maybe, yeah, like in terms of like a crash course, getting to the point where you're ready for, for festivals, would you say it's just about like a matter of reaching out like personally and just like figuring out local venues and different places yeah. you can play and, and improve? That's what I that do. Way? I would definitely go to all the local venues in, in your area um, and just hit them up, you know, even if it's just weekends only um, to start, just, you know, hit them up. I mean, if you have to start, start on open mics, you know, it's at least to get your, you know, your anxiety out. And if you're really that, mm. if you're that new at it, I'm not a musician, so I can't say, you know, I got my experience doing open mics or something like that. But I do know a lot of people start doing open, like John Mayer, and I've heard a lot of things. You know, a lot of these yeah, great dude, artists. Yeah, uh, with our now. with our with our band Paradise Fears, um, yeah. we got started in high school. We grew up in Vermilion, South Dakota, like a very small town that didn't have like a lot of musical opportunities. Yeah. But um, in our high school, they had this thing called Coffee House that was like yep. an open mic, and that's how we met each other. That's how we started. And eventually, you know, we we built a career where we were able to tour successfully worldwide with a lot of our favorite bands. And it all started with those open night, mic, yeah. mic nights for sure. Exactly. Um, so it's a great, a great place to start. Um, so it sounds like what you're saying in terms of when they're ready for the festival. So at, they're at a point where they've really honed their craft. It's really good. And um, in terms of like Reverb Nation, that's a tool that they can use in order to submit for yeah. opportunities. And uh, specifically, one of the benefits, it sounds like you're saying, is that with a lot of independent artists who are emerging artists right they're not they're not huge yet they haven't been signed to a record label they haven't toured with a bunch of other bands and built up a grassroots following yet they don't really have the clout of being able to say i can draw this many people to the show which exactly. is really what really what venues and talent buyers what you know this huge part of what they care about like how many people can you draw out to the show yep and if you can't draw anyone out then you know what do you really have to offer exactly um, but um, it sounds like what you're saying is that with the opportunities uh, within Reverb Nation, you guys have usually like you know quite a few slots available for these different some of the biggest festivals in the world. Yep. And it's an opportunity for artists who maybe they're independent, but they really have honed their performance and they're ready for that kind of opportunity. So even before they've kind of grown a massive fan base on their own, they can get some of those opportunities to submit for those festivals. Exactly. Yep. No, totally right. It hit the ball right in the head. And, and they don't have the relationship. So they can't call up Summerfest and mm -hmm. say, here's my EPK, you know, check me out, blah, blah, blah. But I can because I've, I've been in the business for 30 years. Um, mm. That's how I, you know, I'm, I'm, I almost feel like a salesman sometimes. I'm out there pitching all these talent buys. Come on, use us. I've got these amazing mm. emerging artists that you've never heard of, but you should put them on your stage. <laughs> mm. Yeah, this is the best kind of the best kind of salesperson. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, so let's kind of let's flip it around a little bit in terms of, let's say that there's an artist that they're like they're they're kind of reaching that stage where maybe they can draw, they can sell out a crowd of like 300, 400 people in like a local market, mm -hmm. and they're starting to grow some presence like around like regionally and nationally. And they do, maybe they do have like a decent amount of draw. Maybe they're going to draw like 50 to hundred people like in, in markets around, around the United States, for example, yep. when would you say is kind of the right time to start looking for a booking agent or start building a team around, around your music? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, a lot of people always ask me, what's the first part of your team that you should get. And a lot of people think it's a manager. I kind of think it's a booking agent because a lot of the stuff you could do on your own as a manager, you know, as a, you know, be your own manager for a little while. Mm. Booking gigs is so hard. I mean, 
I, mm. I tried doing it for a little while with a band that I was managing and it's nobody calls me back. You know, it's like they'll call agents back because agents mm. also represent bigger artists. So, you know, they're, they're going to take, you know, Joe Smith's call from CAA because they might want, you know, Beyonce next time they come around, who's also on CAA or, you know, whatever they're on. But yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I think getting an agent is so important, but agents work on commission. So if they're, are they willing to book a band that only has 50, a 50 person drawer, which say at a $10 tickets, 500 bucks a night, that means the agent gets 50 bucks a night. It might not be worth their time. Some agents will definitely take a chance on, you know, new bands like that. But for the most part, agents want to see you doing, you know, a couple of hundred artists, even if it's a hundred artists or more, I don't know the exact number. I guess all, all agents do different things, but I would imagine they want to make sure they're going to get a couple of hundred dollars a night in their pocket to do all these things because mm -hmm. it's a lot of work booking bands and follow up and all that other stuff. So yeah, I think once they're at a level where they can, all right, they, they already, they already sell out all their local gigs, all their venues where, where they're from, they're the mm -hmm. biggest game in town. And then they've gone mm -hmm. out and they did some, I used to call it like the, uh, the wheel, like the spoke when wheel where you go from your hometown, you know, a couple hour drive to Boston, a couple hour drive to Philly, a couple hour drive to whatever, Chicago, something where you could drive back and forth to from your hometown. And then mm -hmm. when you become big at all those levels, you know, I guess regional, you'll call it, then maybe agents will start, you know, looking, say, wow, these guys, these girls are doing amazing. They're selling, you know, they got 200 fans everywhere in the Northeast, not just their hometown. That's something to look forward to. Once you, once you scale that and maybe, maybe I as an agent can take this band and go national with them. I mean, if they could do 200, 300 seats in markets they're not even from, maybe they are ready. So I think that's when agents kind of see them, you know, and, and agents will find out. You don't really have to search them out. They'll know. You know, a venue will tell them, a venue owner will say, or a promoter or a talent buyer will say, man, I booked this band from New York. Every time they come into my Chicago venue, they got like 300 fans. We sell 300 tickets like that. And the agent will be like, oh, really cool. What's their name? You know, and the agent will probably go after them at sometimes. Mm. So it sounds like what you're saying in terms of um, building a team, you know, a lot of common knowledge is, oh, like maybe we should like get a manager first and managers can be helpful, but uh, you know, booking agents play a role that it takes so much energy yeah. and, and effort yourself. And sometimes those connections are really hard to come by. Yep. I know with Paradise Fears, we actually did the exact thing that you're talking about. We, we never had a manager. We sort yeah. of, we led ourselves and we kind of learned the music business ourselves, but we did have a booking agent that worked within Paradigm, uh, the booking agency. And he oh, was yeah. amazing and he played a huge role in our, in our success. And so, yeah, booking agents are, are vital and sounds like what you're saying is that the tricky thing with them is that you need to get to a certain point where, you know, you're, you're able to draw a good amount of people, both in your local markets. And even you, you kind of have that wheel where you're able to play some of these other markets. So you're kind of yeah. traveling two or three hours and you're able to, to spread out a bit in that when you kind of reach that critical mass, then usually the way it works is that the venues will end up, you kind of like through word of mouth, a lot of times booking agents, they kind of, they understand what's going on. And if there's yeah. a band that's really starting to take off and is selling a bunch of tickets, then it piques their interest. And a lot of oh, times yeah. they'll reach out to, to the band. Yep, exactly. And A&R guys at a label, same thing with them. They'll be like, oh, how do I not know who this band is? You know, I can't, I got, I got bands signed to my label that can't draw 300 people a night. And yet this unknown mm -hmm. band is, you know, yeah. and it's true. I mean, I go see bands all the time at thousand seat clubs that are signed to labels, you know, big labels. And I don't know, there's like 200 people there. I'm, I'm shocked. 
Totally. And so, I mean, what's really interesting about, about this conversation, I think it kind of flips the lid on what a lot of people, like their mindset going into um, the music industry is that I just need to find the right person or I need to like get signed to a record label. And then like when that happens, like if they decide to invest me, then I can finally be successful. Right. And so they're like, want to reach out to everyone and they try to like, maybe before they're even, they have any sort of proof of concept yep. and aren't getting any sort of responses. Exactly. And so it sounds like what you're saying is that the, one of the best ways that you can, you know, to, that you can network and that you can get signed to a record label and that you can get a booking agent is by essentially getting yourself to a certain point first where you're successful enough on your own and that attracts those people. Yep. I, I totally agree. It's, it's kind of like, you know, when you're in a band, you're, you're, you're running your own business and mm -hmm. businesses have done the same way. You know, you've got to show like your proof of concept, like you said, and you know, you can't go out and raise money unless there's actually, it's not just an idea. It's actually working. So, you know, when bands, it's the same way. If they're growing and growing and successfully growing, now it's like, okay, now I need to go out and maybe not raise money, but get my team members on board because then there's something to manage. So that's when you got, you know, then you, once you have an agent, maybe you do need a manager who could work with that agent. So you're not on the phone. You know, you want to be out there perfecting your craft, writing great songs, learning, you know, how to play better live. And then the manager could talk with the agent all the time. So it's kind of like a growing, you know, growing your team. Growing, it's just like growing a business, really. Oh, what's up, guys? So quick intermission from the podcast so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're going to walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's going to allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's going to be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. So uh, when it comes to growing your team and like getting a manager or getting a booking agent and, some, and all the different roles that you start to fill, what's the balance between kind of being proactive and like reaching out to people versus like you're just focusing on, on your own success and kind of letting people reach out to you? Is there a point where you think it makes sense to get organized and kind of make a list of different people yeah. that you want to get in contact with and reach out to them? And you know, what, what are your recommendations there? I, I think that's what you should do. Just, you know, get organized, like you said, and, um, you know, hit up the people that make sense for you. If you're, if you're, a, if you're a pop punk band, you know, put a list together of all these agents and managers and, and even like publications and playlists, every, really everything that fit your genre. So, you know, don't reach out to, you know, the biggest hip hop agency on the planet if you're a pop punk band. You know, I get it. Bands want their music to be heard by everyone in the business, but they're probably not going to listen to you and they're certainly not going to get back to you if they're not in their wheelhouse. So why waste your time and their time? You know, 
concentrate on those, you know, 25 booking agents and 25 managers who really, really know pop punk and stop wasting your time trying to hit up, you know, death metal agencies <laughs> and things like that. You know, it just doesn't make sense. Um, so yeah, good organ- organized list makes total sense to me. It's a really, really good point too about uh, making sure that it's organized and that it's focused on the people that make sense that are relevant. Yep. Even, even like on our Facebook ads that we that we run to to bring you know artists into our community, yep. there's there's so many comments on it that it's just like, yo, yep. check out my mixtape or yo, like check out my YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, and it's just you know, it's just it's not the right it's not the right place for it. Like yep. like it's you know it's it's cool to promote your music and to to try to grow your audience, your fan base. But uh, you have to get smart about where your people hanging out. Yeah. And they're not, they're not hanging out on, on that ad, for example. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like you could be spending that time. Like if you spent two hours a day spamming people that just don't make sense for you, you could be spending that two hours either I don't know, reading a book on music business or, or write songs, you know, write a couple hundred songs a year, not you know, 10. Spend that time wiser, I guess, is really mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say instead of spamming mm-hmm. anyone. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's zoom back a little bit because I think for a lot of artists, they're they're maybe trying to 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 jump the gap a little bit too quickly, and so they're like, oh, like I just I need a team like really quick, like I need someone else to kind of come and save me, or I need someone else to come and you know basically like help me blow up. And there is kind of that in between step of well, I need to kind of grow my music business. I need to get yeah. to a point where the the fire is going on on the flames, and it's kind of it's enticing, and it makes sense to bring other people into the team. Do you have any recommendations in terms of when people are just getting started and maybe like they've, they're kind of past the stage where they've already done some like open mic nights and they started to get yeah. a little bit of traction and they're growing. Maybe they have like hundred people or so that they can draw out to like a local show and they're just looking to reach the next level and to like get in front of more people. What, what would your advice be for them? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, sites like ours, Reverb Nation and the, you know, the CD baby, there's, there's a couple of companies out there. I think using our services to help manage your business so a lot of people use like an email system from some company and then they'll use a press kit from another company. And there's, you know, there's, they're using a whole bunch of different companies where you can use someone like a reverb nation who could be your home base for the basic tools. You know, we've got the email system, the press kit, uh, distribution, publishing administration. We do a lot of that. So you may want to align yourself with a, a company like ours or like CD baby, or, you know, like I said, there's a couple of other companies, not many who can go, who can help you very new to the next level as well. And again, not for people that are superstars. They don't need us anymore. But, you know, companies like ours are so cheap. I mean, they're whatever they are, 10 bucks a month, 12 bucks a month, whatever it is, to get you everywhere you want to be on a basic label. Not going to make you a superstar, but can help manage your business properly. And, you know, I always say, and I hate to say it because it sounds horrible, but if you can't afford the 10 bucks a month to run your business, maybe you're either in the wrong business or, or you're doing something wrong. Um, I mean, that's like, that's not a lot, 10 bucks a month. You have five band members, it's $2 a month each. And then you, you're going to want to start doing some advertising. You know, uh, a lot of companies out there, including ours, Reverb Nation, you know, we offer you know, not just Facebook ads, but to get ads on you know, kind of like retargeting type ads where it gets on, you know, rollingstone.com or mtv.com or wherever people are listening to music, we can get your, you know, your music or your events your shows or whatever listed on those program, on those uh, websites as well. So you, you kind of have to do some advertising. You have to invest money. Uh, I know it sounds like very salesy of me, but you do have to invest in your, it's your company. You've got to invest in yourself and you can do it very cheaply to start. If it's not working, change the ad up, 
well, maybe you have to go back and write different songs if it's not catching fire. Uh, artists don't always want to hear that, but they do. Mm, totally. So it sounds like what you're saying is, you know, there, there's a lot of different tools online right now that can help you to get started with, yeah. you know, with your music business. And it really is a business. And Reverb Nation is like, you know, a great entry point for independent artists in terms of, I'm pretty sure there's even, there's like a free profile for Reverb Nation that has like a ton of awesome features. Oh, yeah. The community. Yeah, the free, then, the free service is what most artists use. They don't need, they're not at the level where they need the extra, you know, they're not even ready to distribute their music or well, they're not ready to submit to opportunities. So they use the free version. You know, we have 5 million artists. I wish they were all paying us $10 a month, but they're not. <laughs> they're not, believe me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny what you say too about how, I mean, there's always one of the biggest uh, challenges I think I see for musicians is, and just people in general, I think is just making excuses or yeah. you're just, you know, coming up with reasons like, Oh, I can't do this because X, Y, and Z. I can't do this. I can't afford $10 a month for, for the pro version of reverb nation. Mm. And you know, there's always going to be, there's always going to be like other excuses that come up or you can get resourceful and you can just figure out like, yeah, $10 a month for your music business. If it's your goal to do this full time and to like actually make a full time income doing it. Then like $10 a month, like it's, it's nothing like, you know, right, you have exactly. to, you have to be able to invest um, your time and your money. And there's ways that you can make, you make anything happen. Yeah. Like there was a, I remember when I first started uh, this business, Modern Musician, I had just, I had been touring full time with, with my band and then I was about to start my family and I, did, and I wanted to figure out a way to, to provide for them without traveling uh, for 10 months out of the year. And we had just bought a house and like, I didn't have, I didn't have any money left over at all. Yeah. And there was a, there was a business coaching program called Product Launch Formula and I went to this event and there's like a $12,000 coaching program and I did not have $12,000 yeah. to invest, <laughs> but you know, I found a way to, to make it work, you know? And, and so I utilized credits um, and there's different that within the United States, especially like, I mean, there's a reason that, that we have the, the bankruptcy laws that we have and that we have credit in the first place is so that we can make good investments. The yep. issue with credit is that a lot of people make stupid investments exactly. with their credit and buy things that they don't need. Yep. But when it comes to something like your business, like it's something you need to be able to invest in upfront. Yep. And it used to be the case that you needed $30,000 to start a new business and, and just have a retail location. And most of them failed, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and now that we can do that for such a fraction of the price online, it's, it's just incredible. It's but so there is true. kind of this, this mindset block, I think around musicians, especially where they're not necessarily seeing it as a business and they don't necessarily, yeah. they don't necessarily realize, Oh yeah, like, you know, this is something that I need to focus on. And I need to invest and I need to figure out like my profit margins and I need to have like a return on investment and calculate everything that, that I need for it and build a team around it. So yeah, I mean, 10, 10 bucks a month is for, it's for crazy. what? Yeah. Yeah. Like one, one of, one of our, like, I don't know if it's our, where our ethically, our, we're ethically, whatever, we're, we're very artist friendly. So we always say, you know, if we're going to charge for any of our products is a la carte and is bundles that we offer, you have to get something in return. So for 10 bucks a month, you're getting an email system, you're getting a press kit, you're getting all this stuff. And some of them are not happy with paying 10, $10 a month for that, but yet they'll submit 20 bucks to possibly play somewhere, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, to me, it's a scam. It's like, Pay to play sucks. Pay to possibly play is really bad. Um, but mm. yet they're willing to pay to possibly get something, but not mm. willing to pay for something you're getting. I mean, another thing that, I'm, that I wanted to get your thoughts on are, 
you know, early on, it sounds like such a huge part of the game is figuring out how to get the fire going, how to get the flames, how to grow, grow an audience. And, you know, using some tools like, like having a mailing list is awesome for me to connect with people and kind of to cultivate a deeper relationship mm -hmm. with the people, with the people that you already have started to connect with. And it sounds like what you're recommending too, in terms of advertising is a great way to put your music in front of new people who've never heard of you before. So it's kind of like cold, completely cold. They've never heard of you before. Get your music in front of them, bring them into more of a, a warm community of people that know who you are, connect yeah. with them, deliver value. So would you say advertising, is that kind of like the number one way that you found so far, like right now in terms of putting your music in front of new people? Is there a specific ad campaign that you found that's like working really well? Or are there other like ideas or ways like that you've seen that have been really cool, like innovative ways that um, artists are growing, growing their business? Not really. I mean, I, I think the advertising is actually better for uh, to reach maybe existing fans and, you know, let them know you have a new new song out or you have a new show coming up. But mm -hmm. I, I think what's even better to get new fans is, is really the playlisting thing. So I, I think mm -hmm. somehow you've got to get on playlists that matter. So even more than advertising. I mean, I love the advertising and stuff like that. We do, we do, we do that at Reverb Nation. But I, I would imagine, I'm pretty positive actually, that the open rates and click-through rates are much higher on, on artists that you already know. So if you see your favorite artist ad, you might click on it, you know, if it says a new song. Where if I see mm -hmm. an artist ad that I've never heard of, it might take like four or five times for me to see that, for me to actually click on it. Whereas a playlist, if you can, you know, and you can hire people to help you out with this, um, you just gotta be very careful because there's a lot of scam artists out there as well. But um, hire people to try to you know plug your music into some of the playlists that they have relationships with, things like that. Because so if you get on the right playlist, you're going to get listened, and if the, you know, listened, listened to, and if the music's good, you know hopefully they'll listen to it more than once, and they'll turn their fans onto it. And maybe you'll get added to other playlists, and hopefully that's how it'll go viral. And the same thing on on YouTube for the video side. You know you want to get. I don't know what the right word, in a community where it's kind of like together, where people love your music and they're just going to share it with all their friends. And I think playlisting is really where it's at now. It's a new radio. So it's kind of, you've got to be, you've got to be active on it. You can't just put up songs and no one's going to find you. It's not like, you know, in the old days with MySpace where everyone thought you'd put up music and people would find you. That never happens. It, if it happens, it's so rare. You've got to be out there getting on these playlists yourself, you know, create your own playlists with other big bands and, and then and then try to get on bigger playlists that's really the way to do it cool so it, it sounds like what you're saying is that there's different ways that you want to communicate and different tools you want to use depending on your relationship yeah. with your fans yep so like if someone has already heard of you before and they're already a fan they've listened to some of your music then some of those retargeting ads which yep. basically means yeah targeting people that you've already connected with are super powerful because otherwise like if you release a new song then they might just they're just not going to know like how, how should know. they know that you did it and right. it's so many people's you know fans just never like how how often if you're watching this right now how often have you heard like a year afterwards that one of your favorite bands like had released a new album you're like oh that's cool like yeah. released an album and you hadn't heard of it and that's a wasted opportunity and so retargeting ads are really good for you know connect reconnecting with people that you have already listened to the music that are already fans in terms of you know new completely cold traffic you know how likely is it that there's like a new artist that you've never heard of before and you're scrolling through and you just decide to listen to some of the music pretty pretty unlikely and so uh, playlists can be a really great opportunity to get your music in front of new people who've never heard of you before yeah you know, I think it is kind of an interesting time for the music industry right now because I think there is sort of a uh, a challenge that I see with with artists who it's like 
like playlists are so important and they're a great way to get your music in front of a lot of new people. Then there's now their challenge is like, how do we connect with people and kind of bring them in after they like listen to the songs and playlists? Yeah. How do you build that, that connection? Our most successful campaign that we're running right now is basically it's using cold, cold ads, but it goes pretty quickly into like a conversational message with the fan where you're actually like connecting with them and you're getting to know them and you're having like a dialogue back and forth. That's cool. And it is interesting because I think you're 100% right that like if you're just kind of sharing a song or something right off the bat and they've never heard of you before, it's very, it's unlikely that they're going to care. Yeah. But if you actually put in the time up front to like get to know someone, connect with them as like a human being first and share your music, maybe share something like that no one else really gets to get to hear, then they get to connect with you and be a part of your journey. And and that, you know, that helps you develop that relationship so that you can do retargeting down the line. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You put the effort at the beginning and it'll hopefully expand and do things uh, you know, a little differently. You always have to change your ads anyway. You know, as you, as you get more involved, you'll get and learn more about the click throughs and the open rates and who's listening, who's engaging, who's not, you might have to change a few things up, but yeah, I think, I think you're totally right. You know, something engaging is much better than just seeing, you know, a pretty face with, you know, what might be a song that you're interested in. You know, because mm. they're out there all over the place. You got to be a little different. Yep, for sure. And it's kind of like going back to that fire analogy. It's it seems yeah. like at the beginning of starting the fire, almost without fail, like you need the, like that hustle. You need to have those two sticks, and you're kind of like yeah. rubbing it together, and it's like challenging. Exactly. And you like you get some sparks. And you're like, all right, come on, start. And there is kind of that that flip that gets switched when the fire does start, and it starts kind of takes a life of its own. And now fans start sharing it through word of mouth, and it builds this fire. And then other people with fires decide that you should put your flames together and grow a bigger fire. And yeah, but a lot of it comes down to that initial that spark and that ability to create and hone in that initial fan base. And it does take engagement. It takes connection, and it takes you know getting that getting that initial fire started. Yeah, exactly. I agree. In terms of building a team, we talked a little bit about, you know, like getting a booking agent, how a lot of times that can be a really great place to start. If you're at the level where you're ready to start touring nationally, um, then it's pretty essential that you find someone like that. At least it's going to save you like a lot, a lot of time and legwork of trying to reach out and build all these oh, yeah. connections. And so what else do you see as sort of like vital roles that you would start, you'd recommend starting to fill uh, within the band once they start reaching a point that they should be building a team? Yeah, so I guess you got an agent, manager, um, possibly a label. You know, if, if you want to go that route, you need funding, you need a staff to work it. Label's a great place to go. Hopefully they want you. I guess, you know, some genres, a producer is a team member. You know, in the hip-hop and pop genre, you know, a producer might be considered part of your team. You, you know, I guess every genre now, producer has been so important the last few years, and every, really every genre. I guess that's a team member. An attorney, you know, eventually you're going to need an attorney. I think at the beginning, I never say it's part of your team because maybe you want to hire them like on a case by case basis. You know, look at my contract, you know, here's a hundred bucks or 200 bucks or 300, whatever, whatever the cost is for an attorney. But once you get bigger, you may want to put a, 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 a real, you know, attorney on your, not only say payroll, but, you know, give them a real relationship with them where they get a percentage of your sales and everything else as well. They usually get five or 10% of everything as well. You'll need a business manager down the road. You know, obviously, you, you hope you need a business business manager down the road because usually that's like an accountant kind of thing. Usually, you're making a lot of money and you can't deal with it yourself. Then you need a business manager. Who else would there be? I, I guess a PR firm or a marketing firm is probably maybe that's probably your third. So you got your agent, your manager, maybe a 
PR slash marketing type company. To me, you, if you really, really want to be in this game, I shouldn't say it's a game, you want to be in this business, you can't do it yourself because you don't have the relationships, you don't have the knowledge most, most of the time. So you probably do want to hire a marketing company or something like that to do all this for you. You know, a lot of them now do PR, they do playlist plugging, they'll even help you out trying to get, you know, maybe hire the right college radio person. They're, they're your connector, they're your marketing strategist and everything else. And they cost money. I mean, you know, you're probably not going to find something for under $1,000 a month. But, you know, I'll tell you, my business, we pay a lot more than $1,000 a month to run my business. So, you know, again, goes back to being in a business. If you're serious about being a musician, you might have to hire some of these guys or girls, you know, consultants now. They consider consultants in a lot of cases. But there's a lot of artist service companies and label service companies. I've been talking to a lot of artists who started their own label. So they'll hire a label service company and they'll, they'll basically do everything a label will do for you, but for a monthly fee, as opposed to taking 80% of your royalties, like a label would do. So yeah, I guess though, there's so many team members, the DIY team members, the first one, that would be like a reverb nation. We're, we're the very first team member of yours, your, your DIY type basic services, then the agent, then the manager, and then all these other people, I guess. Mm. That's my opinion. <laughs> cool. One, one analogy that, that I feel like hits the nail on the head uh, when it comes to marketing and like the importance of, of marketing. I mean, I think for a lot of musicians, obviously, like the reason that they became musicians wasn't because they were super focused on making money or marketing. You know, like there are a lot better industries you could get into yeah. if your main focus was, <laughs> was you really cared about making money. But, you know, there really is like it's so important if you want to have a sustainable you know, sustainable music career and you want to grow and reach more people and do all the things you really do care about, you need, you need to, to have a business. You have a sustainable yep. um, business to do that. And, you know, what I've heard about, uh, the one analogy that I've heard when it comes to marketing is that the song, so the content and the product, so like, yeah, the, the music is sort of like the body of a car and it's like the car and it can be shiny, you know, look great and, you know, it, it can be super professional and polished. But uh, the marketing is like the engine. It's what actually yeah. drives the car forward. So it makes it go places. That's and great. so, you know, even if you have this amazing music and it's just, you know, it looks great. If it just kind of sits there, then nothing, nothing happens with it. Like the marketing is really what, what drives it forward. Yeah. So one, one thing that you pointed out that I think is really, really important is finding the right producer, finding someone um, to be a part of your, your musical production team. You know, I, I know for... For us, with with Paradise Fears, when we first started out, we were recording like like on our in our garages with like Garage Band. <laughs> the difference between that and when we worked with our first real producer, who had worked with some of our favorite bands, was like just ridiculous. Like it was yeah. just night and day. And it wasn't because we became so much more talented. <laughs> like yeah, like we improved, like we honed our craft, but like the difference was ridiculous. And it was because you know, we were working with someone who's full-time job was working with ton of tons of artists like us yep. so when it comes to like production and, and I do know that a lot of artists like we have this amazing opportunity right now with like the price of home studios where we really can pr produce ourselves we can, we can have all the gear and we can record ourselves but you know there sometimes there does it misses that that ability to just be the artist and to not worry about like you know setting everything up and doing all the yeah. production there's something creatively that that can that can be hurt by that so when it comes to getting started, let's say that someone is listening to this and they've invested in some like producers like locally or they find some people, but you know, they're wondering about taking it to the next level or maybe the songs didn't turn out quite as good as they were hoping to, or their experience wasn't that great. How would you recommend they kind of go about finding the right producer? 
I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm not in the recording world, but I would imagine the best thing to do is look, listen to your favorite bands and, and bands that you want to sound like. They don't necessarily have to be a favorite band, but if you have a band that's like, oh, I love the sound. I love what, I love what these guys are doing. It's a little different than what's out there. And, you know, we want to do the same thing, you know, find out who that producer is and give them a ring. You know, most, you know, a lot of producers have a lot of downtime and, you know, they are, they, they're looking for clients. Because, because like what you said, a lot of bands are recording on their own and not using producers as much as they used to and not using recording studios as much as they used to. The good ones are out there and they're not as expensive as you would think a lot of times, um, especially when you find them on downtime. Yeah, so just look at what you're doing. Like I know where I live, a lot of the producers here are very good. However, a lot of the bands wind up sounding the same. And I've, I, you know, I've, I've shopped around some bands that I really like in, in my area. I'm in in New York, and a lot of times the A and R person in Nashville will be like, "This sounds like an '80s Long Island band." And I'm like, "Oh God, here we go." And I, I've heard that so many times, so I'm thinking to myself, "Well, maybe some of the bands that where I live need to use different producers to sound. If they're looking to sound commercial, mainstream, what's going on today, relevant today, the indie rock sound, things like that, they need to find a producer that can help them get to that level. If the band is just does not want to deviate from what they're doing. They want to be, you know, whatever, uh, an old school 80s metal band, then fine, you know, be an old school 80s metal band. Unfortunately, it's going to be hard to have a career doing that because rock in that world is kind of not doing very well right now. So you may, you know, you may want to change it up. If you're happy with playing in front of 100 people a night and not more, if you're happy with not getting on many playlists, be, be an 80s metal band. But if you want to take, if you want to do this for a living, work with a producer who might be able to change a few things to make your music more relevant today, which people are mm -hmm. listening to. Um, I don't mm -hmm. think a lot of bands do that. They think, you know, they listen to their girlfriend or their boyfriend and their best friends. And they all, of course, everyone's going to say your music's great. Mm -hmm. It might not be great. Listen, get an outside ear, you know, things like that. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And so I, I, if you haven't noticed, I love uh, analogies. Like I use analogies yeah, every, no, I every possible point I can. But um, when you mentioned like, you know, uh, 80s, 80s bands and kind of going back to a time that's like already kind of passed, it's, it's, it's prime. One analogy that, that I like think of is that it's kind of like catching, catching waves in terms of like we're like surfers, we're out there. And there's certain waves that they were massive, but they already kind of passed. And yeah. if you were there when it was passing, then you could swim along with it and catch it and get this huge momentum boost. But, you know, a lot of people now are kind of trying to swim and trying to catch this wave that's already passed. And it's, it's kind of challenging when instead you know, if, if you're a good surfer, what you do is you kind of, you look back and you kind of see like, what are the approaching waves? And it's hard because they haven't passed yet. So it's like, they're a little bit more, you know, like it's vague and you're still kind of figuring it out, but you can still sense it. You can kind of, you can be like, this is what the current lay is. And you can kind of look out and be like, oh, like, you know, there's this big wave coming. Yeah. And if you start swimming along with it at the right, you know, velocity, then you can catch the wave and whoosh, it can yep. shoot you out. Yeah, a lot of it's timing and a lot of it's luck. Yeah. Yeah. This business yep. is like that. It really is. Right. And, and, and I do think one of the concerns that I hear in response to, to uh, this kind of idea, idea is as a musician, like, well, I don't want to sell out or I don't want to sacrifice you know, my artistic identity and kind of change who I am to try to fit this mold of what could be popular. So, you know, I, I think with everything, right, there's like a certain amount of balance and you don't want to just totally become someone else that you aren't in order right. to kind of like, you know, fit this other mold probably that wouldn't even work. Like when you see bands do that, it's so obvious. Like it just has no yeah. soul. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, 
that doesn't real. work. Right. Right. It's not real. So like, that's not gonna, that's not gonna work. And what, what actually does work is when you are completely authentic and you're, you're yourself, but you also, you know, you're, you're relevant and you also, you pay attention, like you incorporate some of those different elements of the waves that are coming right now, but you do it in your own way. And so you're kind of the, your own unique expression of that. Exactly. Yep. Totally agree. Sweet, dude. So, man, this is there's some like really good stuff in here. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to top on this interview. No, oh, anytime. Thank you. I appreciate it. I love all these analogies. I'm stealing a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead, man. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just a copyright, so you're just gonna have to like write on the screen every time. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's say that someone's watching this right now and they're like Reverb Nation. I've heard about it before, but I haven't created an account yet. It sounds really cool. What do you recommend in terms of like next steps for if they want to learn more, or they want to connect more with you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd say, you know, if you want to learn more about Reverb Nation, you know, go to the site, join up for free, you know, put a couple of songs up there, look at the bottom of the site and see all the stuff we have to offer. We don't do a great job of telling people up front what we do, even though it's 15 years later, a lot of people still don't know what we do. We say we're an artist services company because it's kind of what we are. We're not necessarily a fan site. You know, a lot of people, a lot of artists will also say, oh, well, the fans are artists. I'm like, well, yeah, most of them, but we never claim to be, you know, we're not trying to be Facebook, but I, I would say to artists, just, you know, check it out and check out other sites as well. You know, you don't have to be on one site. You know, Bandcamp is great for certain things. Reverb Nation is great for certain things. And, you know, just try to get your music out there. Try to be real, submit to things when you're ready. Uh, you don't want to be get turned down by everything. It doesn't mean you're bad. It just means you're not ready for it. Some, sometimes, sometimes you're amazing in submitting the things and you still don't get picked because it might just be, I don't know, that festival might not have a country stage for you this year. Well, they already found one artist that they booked. So you just got to keep trying, you know, don't give up. If that's what you love to do, you know, don't give up. I mean, I know it's easier said than done and get educated, really, really learn. There's so many websites, you know, hypebot.com and there's so music thing. There's so many websites out there. You know, you guys, uh, there's so many things you can learn. I mean, I'm, I teach a course at college on, concert production and promotion. I never knew how to put together a concert. I could do the promotion side, I think, but the production side, but I just learn. You just, there's books out there. You just learn and then mm. go to shows and watch how things are done. Go to networking events, do, do all that. Go to music conferences are amazing. Go to as many music mm. conferences as you can. Learn from other bands, learn from the industry, meet with them, learn from mm. the panels. Just learn. It's a business. Learn. Awesome. Absolutely. And I, I definitely recommend everyone, um, if you haven't checked it out yet, Reverb Nation's awesome. Uh, Thanks. At least signing, out for, signing up for like the free profile. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember for us, um, one of the first festivals we ever got was this festival in Texas, and it was because we submitted for an opportunity through Reverb Nation. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it's awesome. Awesome place to be. And yeah, dude, again, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing sharing your, your expertise. That was super valuable. And thank you. Yeah, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Be good. Be safe. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. Time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.